You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf from Iron Source. So welcome back, everyone. I'm Melissa Zalouf, and you're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. Now, joining me on today's show is Peter Warman, who's CEO of leading games market research firm NewZoo, along with Tyler Long, who is lead of game developers and publishers at NewZoo as well. And as you might have seen or noticed, uh, NewZoo recently came out with an awesome infographic mapping out what they've called the game tech ecosystem. And in this week's episode, we'll be looking at what uh, what is game tech? What does it actually mean? What are the different layers of the ecosystem? Um, and, and what do our, our two wonderful experts uh, predict uh, for the coming year? Um, and we'll try and limit the COVID questions <laughs> because huh. I find they get a little repetitive. Um, so wh- why don't we start, Peter, um, uh, and then Tyler? Why don't you tell us uh, a bit about yourself um, and your respective journeys um, in the gaming industry and in Yuzu specifically? Yeah, that's. Uh, I'll, I'll try to give you the short uh, the short story, I guess. Um, you know. Today, um, I'm, I'm a CEO of a company with 90 people, nine zero people. That's um, that, that's quite a bunch of people for such a sort of niche activity um, that we do. Um, but you know, if if I go all the way back to, to, to the start, so how did I become New Zoo? You know, that was a I think a summer evening in June 2007 when <laughs> I couldn't get sleep, and I woke up my wife and said, "I need to start a company. I have this idea. Nobody understands games, and I'm going to help them." Uh, I went down to the computer at 3 a.m. and I typed in. The first thing I typed in was New Zoo. And I still find it hard to explain why. Uh, but uh-huh. um, it just came morning, to me. Yeah. I bought the domain name and I had a feeling I started a company. Um, the only thing is I'm, I missed a co-founder that, um, you know, I'm, I'm creative and I always have a, a vision, idea on things, but somebody to keep me on track. And it turned mm-hmm. out to be my old basketball friend uh, that I played basketball with since I was 11. Wow. Um, yeah, and he uh, so we trusted each other, but he he became an investment banker and went to London, Frankfurt. I was in internet uh, agencies and stuff, and it turned out to be a really good team. So the democratic process to who was going to be CEO was pretty easy. Two people. Uh, he was an investment banker. I was creative, so I got the C, he got the F, or I got the E, he got uh-huh. the F. Um, <laughs> and 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 since then we've just been uh, well, first struggling to find a real sweet spot. Um, we were lucky a couple of times being the first to research mobile mobile games while all mm-hmm. the American counterparts were not yet taking mobile seriously. Right. Um, and therefore we were drawn into beautiful West Coast clients from the from the start in 2009, Blizzard and Xbox. Um, well, we envisage first to serve companies outside like Coca-Cola, et cetera. Um, and now we serve a beautiful, a beautiful mix with um, a lot more than mobile data. Uh, we even dare to forecast and, um, yeah, the, the, maybe the, perhaps the most exciting phase is now for Nuzu as we um, consider ourselves a scale-up, have invested mm. money that we raise into a new platform and try to serve more more people than we've ever done before. Uh, so and it's you, still fun and, and we have super cool talent on board, you know, new experienced people like, like Tyler. Mm-hmm. You actually, before Tyler tells us uh, about his journey, which now has to be as romantic and exciting as yours, um, (laughs) you said something interesting. You said you felt that no one really understood games. Um, What do you mean by that exactly? 
I mean, well, I, I think I, I agree. I'm well, I'm not sure if t- today probably the situation is a little different. Um, but can you expand a bit more on that? Yeah, there's still a large, um, a large share of our time goes to education of people outside of games that don't understand it completely or don't understand it to the extent that we're talking about today, you know, this level of, of, of tech. And at the start of Nuzu, um, nobody took mobile gaming seriously. It was only, you know, uh, uh, free mobile free mobile games, no money being earned, and that changed. But we thought engagement goes first, let research engagement, and then the money followed. Mm-hmm. And we were the first to, to, to see that ramp up uh, way uh, in 2009 when the App Store was launched. Um, yeah, it's, it's, we're trying to be first at things and then um, educate people about what's next. And yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's what we do. And Tyler, how do you fit in? <laughs> well, I, I definitely don't have as great of a story to tell as uh, Peter <laughs> here, but uh, um, but yeah. So, so for my background, I've been in the games industry uh, for about ten years now. Um, I've been lucky to do a ton of different positions and different types of companies. I've done operations, business development, uh, producer, and I've even started my own studio before as well. I've uh, worked at larger companies such as 2K Games. And like I mentioned, I had my own studio doing mobile VR development. Um, so yeah, I've got to do a lot of great things. And I've actually known Peter for many years now, I think about eight years mm-hmm. um, from events, from in the industry. And um, yeah, we just been, I just found out that he was looking for a position, like what we call uh, the market lead for game development publishing, looking for someone in the inside, you know, gamer, game industry insider to really come in and uh, help with the strategy and really how to reach a larger audience in the game industry. So, um, yeah, it sounded really exciting to me and I'm, I've just joined recently and I'm, it's, it's been quite a journey already. And, um, so yeah, for my role right now, I'm mostly working on, uh, working with our different teams, uh, to help strategize all of our different products, services and offerings for, uh, specifically for the game developers and publishers and really trying to figure out how to work with the those clients as well to get so they get the most out of these products and um, also get to do some fun activities like this uh, game tech uh, helping research this as well and kind of giving that insider perspective and uh, yeah it's been really exciting so far. Mm-hmm. And when you guys talk about um, New Zoo's target audiences, uh, Peter, you mentioned Coca Cola and then sort of Blizzard and Activision and Tyler, you've talked about uh, developers uh, and publishers. Who are New Zoo's kind of core? Who, who is or are Newsu's core target audiences? <laughs> oh, this sounds like start of an internal discussion that we have now and again. <laughs> but um, no, no, we, we really, really consider the game, people that, that create games or uh, have companies that directly support the success of games as our core, core audience. We believe if we can keep up with that f- fast-changing, already data-driven part of the world, um, the data that we have, the insights that we create will be uh, a good foundation for other markets that slowly want to look look deeper. So we do really consider the game uh, game companies themselves as a core market. Although I can envisage that companies like Coca-Cola and, and financial institutions, telecoms, might even have a, high, a bigger budget for market intelligence. So in future, you know, maybe uh, more money will come from those other markets. Uh, now it's already more than half, by the way, but core markets, uh, games, definitely. 
because one would assume that um, in in terms of the mission of well, not that I've decided this is your mission, right? Um, but Thank in you. terms of, of explaining uh, games to people who don't understand them, it feels like industries outside of the game industry are a perfect target. I mean, we we sort of face this sometimes. Uh, we see it with brand advertisers. So that, yeah. so exactly the Coca Colas of the world who don't necessarily yet understand that the bulk of that gate first of all their understanding of gamers is is outdated um everyone's a gamer now um and your grandmother is a gamer your mother is a gamer um not just women are gamers although i think i i'm and i think this might even be your stat um i think there's a sort of one percentage point more women are gamers than men um so so i think there's definitely a lot of work to be done in helping the wider uh world i guess across different industries outside of the game industry understand this space yeah, and w- when you start to explain it, you find out actually how complex it is because it is not yeah. easy to explain. There's so many layers to it. You know, if you take the viewing into account, or even the fact that people build their own gaming PCs, you know, they watch yeah. streamers, and then the whole <clears throat> development process and running games as a service with all the technology behind it. You know, it depends on the interest of people. But when I get carried away, I, I, I confuse people more sometimes than I do help them understand <laughs> gaming. So I have to hold back sometimes. <laughs> well, this feels like a very good segue uh, to talking about our main subject, which is this this game tech map. Um, and you've talked a little bit about the, uh, the, the companies and the technologies that support development and, and kind of running of games. So why um, can you can you explain a little bit why you decided to create this map? Yeah, I'll do the I'll do the brief why, and then I'll let Tyler um, Tyler go deeper as he is more more of an expert in this uh, in this field. But the why is but it goes back to what you said before. You know, we uh, we see as our 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 mission is to take away barriers for games business to to grow, and and sometimes that means um, providing insight into areas that are complex. And um, I think this is a good. Uh, a good example mm. um, because the you know the the creative process of making a game is of course we know what everybody talks about and it's genius it's great and we, we put out great things but <clears throat> games would not be uh, as successful if they don't have the technological tools behind it that power all kinds of special uh, features and, and business models behind it <clears throat> so this whole ecosystem uh, below it is something that outsiders don't really see, but insiders really, really need to be successful. And as this space is ever expanding through new technologies and, and concepts, we, we thought let's let's give it a go to um, you know to, to to organize it and, and, and see what we bump into uh, because that might make it easier also to predict where things are heading or which technologies might impact other markets outside of games. So just provide an overview, and we think that would help people get insight into the market uh, and eventually help the games business as a whole um, mm. to grow even bigger. But, but but Tyler is your man on the on the details. Tyler, <laughs> over to you. <laughs> okay, yeah, great. Um, so yeah, for us, we were really looking into what is game tech. This is like a new term, I believe. Um, but we we know there's so much different technology out there, and we were really trying to figure out what what really is game tech and how do we define it? And so for us, we, we try to first define what it is. And we, we think it is the range of software programs, tools, and services 
that are used throughout a game's life cycle. So um, from that concludes from development to publishing to operations and even to marketing. And um, so pretty much what we think of game tech is just anything that can be uh, that is used to make the game successful. And that's going to be, like I mentioned, to making the game, operating the game, or bringing players to it. And um, yeah, so what we wanted to do too as well is we wanted to really focus in on what we think is game-focused tech. So that's the key difference between tech and game tech is we all use a ton of different technology in our lives, no matter the company, uh, you know, from Microsoft Suite, et cetera. But we really wanted to focus in and make something really useful for the end user, whether that's insider in the game industry or that's going to be someone just like we're mentioning, maybe brands just trying to understand what's going on in the game industry. Uh, we wanted to provide something very focused and hopefully useful that will provide a new uh, lens to look at technology through the game industry. So how did you sort of um, uh, differentiate or decide whether, because as you said, um, any company or anyone in any company is using a lot of tech and game developers themselves are also, you know, they'll, they'll be using Google Analytics. Um, is Google Analytics game tech or not? Um, is, I mean, there's, there's some classic examples that are very obviously, um, you know, Unity is, is going to be an easy shoe in right? Um, right? But how did you sort of make decisions on companies that are heavily used by game developers, but maybe were not created with game developers in mind? Yes, that's a really good question. It was definitely one of the toughest decisions we had to make continually through the process. Um, luckily, first part of it, I think, is that we have a, like, uh, inside of Newsu, we have a really strong team, a very diverse team of different, uh, coming from a different backgrounds inside the industry, and also just analysts as well. And so we brought all, a very diverse team together to start building this. And another key aspect as well, throughout the whole process, we were working with a uh, our large network of, again, game developers, publishers, and even beyond that. And we really were trying to bounce this off of them and try to find the best fit throughout the whole process to make sure that everything we're doing makes sense, that it is the right types of tools, the right categorization of all these different tools, and to make sure, yeah, does it make sense to include something like Google Analytics? Um, part of the criteria as well is I think that we really wanted to we did have some of that grayness. There is some of those things that like Google Analytics, which is obviously crucial to a lot of different companies. Um, but is it crucial into the actual, like, again, this whole game lifecycle process? And we did, if it was super crucial, we did try to include it as possible because it really helps us paint the whole picture, even if other companies use it beyond game companies as well. So mm -hmm. we try to draw that line, but it's, it's, it's never perfect, I think. <laughs> so we're continually updating mm -hmm. it as well. Yeah, and and presumably it's also a um, an iterative process that will mm -hmm. sort of hopefully if if this if games continue to kind of explode and grow the way they have, uh, the technology supporting it will evolve as well. Um, but we'll get to that later. Um, the, I, I want to talk a little bit about the categories and and subcategories. You talked about framing it in terms of a game's life cycle. Uh, can you dive in a little bit more um, to how you split uh, split up the different parts of the map? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, yeah, we were definitely looking at the very beginning of how to categorize this in the most useful and the most uh, representative way, I think, for the industry as a whole. And, it, you know, the industry is obviously very diverse from different types of 
platforms, PC versus mobile developers and publishers and different types of companies all have different standards and different tool sets. But what we really try to focus in are the key pillars or the main sectors, I think, of game development and publishing. And for us, we broke that down into development. So making the games, operations, how to operate the game, growth, as in how to market the game to bring in new users. And then the final piece we have is market analytics. So that's how more of a support role of how to enhance all these other three different areas. And so we took those as the main pillars of the main four categories that everything else is underneath. And what's quite interesting is that we try to make it look um, somewhat cyclical. So again, these in the game development and publishing process, um, especially as things turn to games as a service, it's becoming much more of a, a loop. It's not a a straightforward process from development to publishing. It's actually an iterative process in development as well. And so we know that all these different tools now are really interconnecting in a way and really helping this cycle of development to publishing operations to growth and continually go over and over. So that was the main categorization we thought was the best representation for us. Mm -hmm. And what have you guys found uh, the feedback to to be like from the market? Um, so it's been three, two, three weeks, potentially more. Time is running together in Corona time. Um, <laughs> uh, since since the map came out, what's the feedback been like from the market? Um, have you sort of already started to see potential changes or, or shifts uh, in how you look at the map or structure the map moving forward? <laughs> I got a lot of, uh, I, I think uh, I've never <laughs> had so many responses to a LinkedIn post as that one. And half of them were about where, where's my logo. Uh, uh -huh. Some of them were about, you, 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 we've just updated our logo, please update it. Um, but, but many, of course, were about starting a discussion about the boundaries of the different categories and, mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and think, actually positively thinking along for, I, I think, an, an upgrade. Um, I think some of the comments we already had discarded in, in generating this, but but there mm -hmm. were some good ideas there. And I think Tyler's aggregated all the feedback. And Tyler, I guess we're, we probably will be working towards a 1.1 or 2.0 version of it. Yes, definitely. I think it's, it's definitely an iterative process. Um, it, we had a lot of good feedback for sure. And there's always, yeah, like Peter mentioned, there's always people that want... Uh, slightly different things. Uh, I think overall, the overall structure shouldn't have any large changes, but definitely when we dive deeper into like, for example, these subcategories underneath development or operations, there's always a bit of a, again, that grayness that comes up. So we're, we're, we're actively taking that feedback and we are definitely going to be looking into updating a future version that's hopefully even better than it is now. Um, and uh, another key point is that we, we also purposely tried to pick a, a representative sample of each of these um, companies or, or solutions in each of these categories because we, we know that there's quite a few infographics that can be try to be exhaustive with the number of companies mm -hmm. they list and it can be it can really affect the readability so for us it was more about telling the overall story in the clearest way possible mm -hmm. so we try to be very representative and that's but definitely be iterating on this mm -hmm. I mean ultimately I think if you, um, it sounds a little strange, but a, a good marker of whether or not something like this is successful is is to have kind of that outreach from people that kind of says, well, you know, where's where's my logo? Um, okay. Because it means that you've also sort of tapped into capturing something um, that people understand is there, but haven't seen mapped out uh, in such mm -hmm. a way before um, or organized uh, for, for digestibility. Um, so Tyler, you, you spoke about... Um, kind of looking again at the categories uh, um, from a, and, t and 
kind of telling a, a high level story. Um, how have you seen, and this is a question to both of you, um, to Tyler, you can take it first. Um, that's, that's a bit mean of me because you've been talking a lot, but there we go. Um, how, how have you seen these categories fuel the growth of the entire gaming industry um, looking, looking high level? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I think it's been really amazing. Like each one of these main categories um, have seen, I think have been really crucial to the growth. The last 10 years in the game industry has just boomed across the board and tool, these tools and these solutions have been a big part of it. So, I mean, just to take some examples, like in game development, obviously uh, Unity, Unreal, the engines that are coming out have really, one, have been become super powerful. They've been able to do amazing things with them. But I think even more interesting is that they really flatten the play field. So there's a ton of, you know, people that traditionally would never get into game development. And with these new technologies, it's so much easier to start in development. And there's so many new games that come out of it. And it's, I think that becomes kind of cyclical in itself. New tools help more people get in, new types of games mm. come out, which brings in more users, which makes more, you know, commercial sense to get even better solutions out there. So it's, again, kind of a cyclical thing, I think. Um, for other areas, I mean, operations, the operations side of it has been huge as games have before we're never even considered a service, right? Games as a service now is the new standard. And so many companies needed help getting on board with that. And so all these different solutions coming out have really helped everyone just quickly step up and get to that kind of same level of service. Um, and the same goes for, I think, with user acquisition, um, the whole growth side is that a lot of companies don't have much experience with that before or didn't know how to reach certain audiences. And with this new tech, it's just amazing how we can reach very specialized, um, you know, different types of users or players out there. And I think, yeah, all these pieces together have just really helped the industry boom over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Peter, what's your take? Well, yeah, I had uh, uh, live operations indeed on my uh, note, but Tyler uh, really mentioned it, but it all comes down to that and the pressure that it puts on daily digesting all the data that you get and, and the action that you take immediately that it's such a different game than working towards this launch and that the um, developers get so much help by uh, third-party tools allows them to focus on the uh, the creative part and, and the engagement part, you know, the um, <clears throat> the real, um, yeah, you could tell the, the, the creative process. So it has, mm. I think, freed up the game developers to really focus on, on the consumer. And therefore, this whole space has just accelerated you know, faster than any form of entertainment because the creative people have embraced technological tools and that combination has been, uh, has been magic. Mm. And, and if you were to look at kind of new, um, or to, let's say you were to talk to new tech companies looking to enter the ecosystem, someone sees your map and they go, well, Peter, I think you're probably a good guy to talk to about this. I want to get into games. I want to build technology to enable this ecosystem. Uh, where do you think, uh, which category do you think offers the best opportunity for success? You guys have talked about growth. You've talked about live ops. Um, so which which game tech categories do you think uh, are going to grow the most or offer the most opportunity uh, for success or, or even the lowest barrier to entry? Mm -hmm. I, can, I can throw up one, one thing, which is a bit high level maybe, but in the technology that, that crosses the various levels of engagement around a game, IP, you could call it, all the way from viewing to play, playing to social community behavior, maybe even all the way up to your branded merchandise and hardware. Um, technology that runs across those 
that whole 360 degree of engagement with consumers. Mm. Um, I don't know even what that could be. That could be all kinds of things. Um, but there are still, you know, some of the software is limited or focused on one of those. And I think there's room for technology that runs across that as all the game developers now are realizing that how small they even are, they're running a, a brand that has all kinds of different ways to engage with consumers and all kinds of different ways to earn, to earn money. Um, so that's a vague high level thing that I would, I would, um, look into, but say I'm a CEO, I can keep it high level. And then, and then I hand it over mm-hmm. to Tyler. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's always a, really fascinating um area to look at just game tech in general where the game industry like i mean just it's been booming and so many new opportunities arise from that um but at this point i also think that the the, you know the game industry and game tech is getting more and more mature over recently and that there is getting more um there's definitely more competition in the space so i would say for like new companies trying to get in the game tech space they should really be careful about finding that right niche or angle and um, I think a couple points of interest might be there's always new stuff, new experiences and new platforms coming out for gaming. So, you know, for example, VR, AR, cloud gaming, these new areas are going to pop up and they're slowly growing now. But when they do become mature, you know, more mature, there's definitely going to be a lot of space there where a lot of the larger game tech companies will try to um, that will join into that. But there's always going to be those parts they miss as a big company. They're not able to see or transition fast enough to really hit those new areas. Um, another interesting point I will point out is the combination of game tech with maybe some other tech or other kind of angle. And by that, I mean something like if we look at AI and me- machine learning, we really see that we know it's going to be huge across the board in all kinds of industries. But how can we combine that or make some new game tech around that? And we've seen interesting examples like uh, NVIDIA, for example, made a machine learning driven um, texturing for 3D models. So automatic, mm. like pretty much texturing of 3D model, which is would be game changing. But um, to, in terms of making it commercial and becoming a, you know, a normal game tech solution that everyone's using, what will that be? Who will do it? How to do it? it's still a very open space. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for things like that in the future. So maybe those are two angles to look at if you're trying to get into game tech. Mm-hmm. And um, Peter, you talked about um, game developers coming to realize now that they are sort of um, proprietors, let's say, perhaps, of mm-hmm. brands which can be ex- which can ex- sort of be expressed in a, in a multitude of different mediums. Um which, which is a, a lot like uh, you use the word IP. It's, you know, it reminded me of, of kind of how Disney uh, monetizes. Uh, yeah. Matthew Ball, who's the um, sort of this investor essayist, if you will, has, has great, uh, has written great stuff about kind of how Disney um, leverages audience affinity in a variety of kind of different ways from their theme parks right down to their movies, etc. When you look at gaming inside the context of uh, the larger entertainment context, how do you see, um, how do you see gaming differ? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big one, but I, I think it's very relevant <laughs> for the day uh, for today or this period, because a lot of the trends of this traditional media IP thinking and, Creative tech game development on the other side are 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 merging now. That the, the convergence of both worlds is accelerating. You know things that we in our reports have been talking about for a long time, and myself in 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 keynotes. Um, and I think what you 
Well, what what's happening is that indeed game developers suddenly see you know their YouTube videos around the game no longer as oh that's free marketing that's nice no it's it, it's a very strategic tool in their full life cycle of the of their product you know streamers are the most important partners in your in your game launch and and, and popularity in viewing is is of equal importance to popularity in gaming. There's a realization on the on the on, on the game side. Uh, but on the other side, I think what is accelerating most is actually the Disney type companies looking at games to see how they can do a better job or do things, do engagement differently. That that suits more with games that are sort of setting the norm for, for the new generation about how you engage with IP, how you can contribute, how you can uh, left some creativity to create stuff around the IP. And I see, you know, I see small mechanics from gaming now suddenly pop up in Spotify, contribute money to your to your favorite band. Um, there's all kinds of mechanics that are now mixing. Uh, and I think that is super, super interesting. But we shouldn't forget that we also, as games uh, companies, can learn a lot from indeed how how serious you view your property as an as a brand. And and. <laughs> Have you sort of? I'm I'm sorry. I have to. Um, but how how have you guys uh, seen the? Uh, we could call it the resilience of gaming during uh, COVID nineteen. But perhaps um, it's it's more interesting to just kind of look at the at the general impact. Um, do you think things have? Uh, what what have you guys noticed? And do you think that things have changed for the better uh, over the long term? Uh, Tyler, you can take this first. Then then Peter. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 pretty it's pretty incredible. Um, we we've seen this definitely before throughout you know different periods of of tough times you know for everyone. But we've seen that games as an industry has been really solid and really been able to um, perform really well across the board. Um, yeah, I think that I think it's quite interesting to kind of kind of the last topic we were talking about. It's Games as a whole, I think, is really interesting is that it has that interactivity, right? So it's like it's the play and the interaction. And I think that's actually quite an interesting angle considering what we're all going through with quarantine and everyone not being able to interact with their friends and family and such. And I think one reason the game industry is doing so well is that it, it's that one medium, you know, compared to something like movies or books where you can really interact with those that you love and uh, really, you know, and even, you know, from the interaction social side to even single player where I can go on an adventure, you know, playing an open world game and really mm -hmm. get outside. I think these are some really interesting points that really resonate with people and that have become super important in these uh, really difficult times. So I think, I think gaming as a whole will, no matter the situation has a very strong, um, how would you say advantages of why it can perform really well and why people really want to engage with it, no matter the times we're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Peter, how do you see it? Um, well, you know, you shouldn't forget that ga games companies have a direct relationship with consumers and rely mainly on, on consumer um, income. And, and what makes games unique and other than other medium is that they, you know, in a single environment of a game, we entertain people that have no money but a lot of time and people that have a lot of money but no time in a single environment. And that is, that is unique. Um, you know, and, and that also makes it very flexible and, and it adjusts itself to, uh, to the circumstances. You know, if you don't have, if your circumstances change, you can just spend more time on it or can spend more money. It's very elastic 
and games companies own the relationship with the consumers where in other media you have um yeah you, you put out content direct to the consumer but your business model relies on on the whole industry or markets in between that can suffer yeah. from a crisis like this so um it's the structure is just different and and we've created an environment where we can cater to um you know more time or or more money that and that's different than others and i wanted to say one last thing about it what which i found very interesting lately that the strength of gaming creating communities mm. around games around streamers or whatever is something that's really lacking in other media or sports you know uh, the digital strength of communities that we we now uh, see coming together to um, raise money or raise awareness for uh, for COVID or raise awareness for Black Lives Matter or whatever you see gaming and their communities play a big role there um, and I think that's due to the fact that the communities are so are so strong and vocal and and feel they can together make a change. Mm. And and looking ahead, um, this could be for for the general game industry, but but maybe more specifically for game tech. How do you see things developing uh, in twenty twenty? Do you think we'll see? Are we still going to see new categories emerging? Um, or are we more likely to see consolidation uh, within existing categories? Um, any big M and A's you want to? I mean, Peter, you once said in, on this podcast that you dare to predict. Um, so do you dare? Do you dare to make some predictions for us now? Uh, Tyler, you can go. Uh, you can go first. <laughs> I'm going to get up my glass bowl here and, and put on a hat, and then I'll, I'll I'll get back to you. Okay, you've got Peter. You've got a few minutes while Tyler covers you. Okay, I'll try to stall for this. No, um, but yeah, I think I think we've seen some interesting patterns recently. Uh, I won't say any predictions for sure, but I think you. Yeah, there's definitely a mix of definitely some consolidation and M and A. I think, uh, for example, if we look at the development side, uh, Unity, Unreal, the larger engines have really grown a lot over the last few years, but they're also doing a lot of interesting um, consolidation. I believe as well. Like for example, Unreal has. Uh, recently purchased a couple different tech solutions that are also related to development, but they're actually bringing all these different tech solutions together into one engine. And I think that is going to be a strong pattern going forward, um, that these engines are really trying to be the all-in-one stop for any kind of development needs. And uh, mm -hmm. I think it's really good for most, I think most of the end users are really enjoying that, where it's, they're able to just get so many different solutions in one spot without having to integrate different solutions together and having so many problems. So I think you're going to see more and more of these patterns as the industry gets more and more mature. Um, I think there will be some new categories for sure. Like I mentioned, I, I, I don't know what it'll be. Maybe something with like AI, machine learning, these kind of things. And, um, and definitely as any new platform experience. I think anytime there's something new, you know, like when mobile came out, it totally changed the game. Um, hopefully there mm. will be something interesting and new popping up soon like that as well. Maybe, you know, VR, AR, this cloud gaming will start taking off more. And then I think we'll see a lot more of these new tech solutions that follow behind that. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my mm. thoughts on that. Well, Peter, yeah. you can well, answer that... or I can save you by by asking a different, a slightly different question if you'd like. <laughs> or do you have something to say? <laughs> no, no. I'm just. I'm just I, I, I think there will be. You know, the, the the big tech giants. You know, they've all uh, gaming is important for them all. Not only how big it is now, but for their 
future strategies. So I think you'll see a lot of uh, tech companies being being acquired by by the big tech giants. I I think, but you also see I think new aggregates of tech like companies like a Discord or Overwolf or, or you know, that have sort of a, a central place in the gaming community, a storefront or something that they might might expand themselves into um, suites of of tech, uh, personally, I would I would look as an investor also to um, game tech itself and 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 see where the game tech will impact other markets, uh, mm. which the impact might be even bigger. You know, if you bring um, the marketing and business mechanics around digital games and streaming to traditional media that is now accelerating in adopting digital, that that could be really interesting. So mm. there's also that. From the outside to the inside, there's also from the inside of game tech, I invest into it because I can bring it into uh, into the media space, into automotive, even into telecom. Mm. And I think you you see actually. Um, I was recently talking to a couple of folks from from the kind of agency and, and marketing uh, industries about how, in fact, um, gaming is in many ways kind of a avant garde precursor. Um, type uh, space for the for the wider marketing industry. So things that are adopted first within gaming spill over or bleed out into um, kind of more. Uh, talking specifically about growth here. Um, so the sophistication of of measurement and attribution, uh, the focus on creatives, uh, the kind of facility with looking at. Um, kind of growth as as it includes monetization as well as, as user acquisition. Um, so I definitely think there's a dynamic of kind of outside, no, inside out, uh, mm-hmm. if you will, from kind of game tech into other industries. And, and in a way, this kind of nicely anticipates my last question, um, which is actually more outside in. Do you think we're going to see big non-gaming, you talked about telcos, for example, big non-gaming uh, companies looking to get into game tech uh, in a big way this year or, or in the future? I think I, th- I think you, you will. When I'm on the phone sometimes with people that want to enter this space, or they say games as a whole, and they are pretty, um, they want to stay out of the risk of investing into a single game IP or studio with limited number of of games, uh, and then one of the options is is indeed game tech. And if I look at the interest I've seen over the past years, it has maybe even you know it's at least five times bigger now than it was five years ago. And these are all outside investors, funds, and big, well, telecommunication companies. Um, so yeah, I'm certain that it will that will grow. I'm, I also might foresee a couple of things not going very well that, that, you know, outsiders that are so much outside think that they, um, by buying a company that they're there. Um, mm. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. And, and well, one of the things that I hope is that game tech um, actually will be applied to real life problems. If you think of the currency system, developed in games based on A-B testing with hundreds of millions of people, we've ended up with a two, three, four layer currency system that allows mm. people without money to enjoy it as much as people with a lot of money. And that's exactly mm. the, the challenge we have in the real world that it's too, you know, the currency is too hard. So we end up with a lot of pe- poor people and, 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 and a handful of very, very rich people. So my, mm. as I grow older, my ambition is to bring game tech actually, actually to real 
life world problems. So mm. I think it's nice that I end on a very high romantic story. Just like <laughs> I was going to say, we're going to have to do a podcast with you in a couple of years where you said, well, there was this point in the yeah. middle of the night where I couldn't sleep and I got up <laughs> and I started a new company to address world poverty through game tech. Exactly. Uh, love yeah. it. Um, <laughs> thank you guys uh, both for a really uh, very interesting episode. Um, at, uh, peaking at the end there I think um, I see the podcast pull quote uh, before my eyes uh, and thank you everyone as normal uh, or as usual for listening uh, tune in next episode for more great game industry leaders like these ones uh, talking about interesting stuff 